Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Morning, church. That was good. I didn't see that last week. I wasn't here. First of all, let me introduce myself. My name is Armin. And then secondly, I want to ask you if you can just excuse my voice. I was up all night karaoke No, I was not. I've been uh, sick this past few days, and uh, I really had a terrible cough. So if once in a while, I'll just move the mic and uh, allow me to slow down, all right? Anyway, that was a really good work. Amen. So today we do a week two of this series, The Promise Fulfilled. Last week, Pastor Mark started this, so, and we were looking at the story of Mary. So today we're going to be looking at a story of a priest, which Terry already introduced, and his name is Zacharias. So let's just go ahead and read the text. We'll be coming from Luke chapter 1, and we, I'm going to be doing a, a, a couple of uh, verses. There you go. Beginning at Luke chapter 1, verse 5. It says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abishai. His wife, his wife was of the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, an angel appeared before, or an angel appeared. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor, store, or, nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Verse 18, it says, And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Go ahead, next slide. And then that happened. So for nine months, the priest basically couldn't speak. So, but after nine months, as the, as the baby was born, this is, the, this is where we pick up. Luke chapter 1, verse 64. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, praising God. And this is where the title comes in. Last week, it was, Why Was Mary Mary? Well, today, the title would be, And the Priest Praised God. 
Okay? Creative, right? <laughs> and the priest praised God. So we see a story here of a priest and his wife. And just like how uh, Terry introduced it er earlier, they were righteous and they were blameless in the ordinance of the Lord and the commandments of the Lord. They did everything right in the eyes of the Lord. But one thing was uh, missing was that they did not have a child. Correct? So that's how it is. And that was their prayer. As the angel said, we have, I heard your prayer and I have come to announce to you that you will have a son. That's what they've been waiting for. They're waiting for a son. So then what happened, as you can see, instead of rejoicing, what did uh, Zacharias did? He doubted. Okay? And most of us, I believe, have come to a place of doubting. We have come to a place of frustration in just waiting for the promise. For example, if, uh, if you're one who's waiting for your parents to give you a gift for Christmas, and probably a month ahead they asked you, what do you want for Christmas? And you probably said, can I get an iPhone 9? Or a 10, okay? You're probably waiting and waiting and waiting until Christmas Day, right? So Christmas Day comes and you finally get what you want. It's easy to rejoice when you finally have the fulfillment of what you are looking for, isn't it not? It's easy to be uh, happy. It's easy to be joyful, jumping up and down and kissing your mom and dad and saying, thank you, mom. Thank you, dad. You're the best in the world. You're the best parent in the world to have. You've given me an iPhone. Of course, our, our parents here are more, than wi are more wise than that. I don't think they'll give you that, okay? But anyway, that's the point. When the promise has been received and the promise is here, it's easy to celebrate. It's easy to be joyful. It's easy to praise. Just like the priest, he praised when the promise was fulfilled. But the hardship or where we get challenged at is really in the time of waiting, in the time of waiting, that is where the doubt comes. That's where the disbelief comes. The frustration comes. And that's what I want to concentrate on today. Where do we find the comfort to keep believing that God is true to his word when we're in the times of waiting? Amen? It's easy. I have never encountered somebody come up here and give a testimony and feel like, you know, uh, I'm really disappointed that God answered my prayer. Nobody. Nobody has come up and gave a testimony full of doubt, full of frustration, you know. I was really not asking God. No, there's always joy. There's always great, uh, uh, they're celebrating. But in the times when they're waiting for that testimony, that's when, you, that's when they will come up to you, bro, can you pray for me? Can you pray for me, bro? Isn't it? So that's where I want to look at. I want to look at the, the places where we can go. Where can we go in those times where we can find comfort in the times of waiting? So as we re read this passage, I'm going to break this down and I show you. This is actually so beautiful. I didn't even see this before until I started uh, uh, as I was uh, studying it. So the first place where we can find comfort in the times of waiting is, go ahead. First slide. The promises of God. The promises of God. So going to this, I'll go ahead and show the verse. So what was the promise to Zacharias? It says, so first of all, what were they asking for? They were just asking for a son. A few verses which I did not include, it says that Elizabeth, when she conceived, she was happy because she, and out of her own words, she said, 
now the reproach has been removed. Meaning the shame has been removed. In their society, if you're barren, you have no kid, there's a shame that's put upon you. Because you're supposed to be the prosperous people of, the, of God, but yet you're barren. It's, a, it's almost like they consider, it is a curse actually in the book of Deuteronomy. So that's what Elizabeth, John, uh, John, sorry, not John, Zacharias and Elizabeth, all they've been asking for is a son to the, for, so that the shame can be removed. But yet look at the promise that God gave them. It says, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Your prayer is heard that you're looking for a son so that your shame can be removed. Them, only for the couple. You see that, church? But yet, look, at, look how God answered their prayer. It says, you were birthed, and you shall call him named John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Not just for them. The promise that God, the promise that God gave to Zacharias and to Elizabeth was not just for them. It was for many other people. It says, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall... They didn't even ask for that. They were not asking for a great son. Most of, and I, I guess all they really want is, give me a son, give me a child, just like Hannah. Give me a child. But yet, what did the God tell, uh, what did God answer them with? He will be a great man. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Did you see that, church? Our, <laughs> I don't know if you're, uh, you, I, I guess I'm excited because when I saw it, I realized the prayers that we've been asking God, when he answers, there is always an over answer to our prayer. That's what it's showing in this passage. That when God answered the priest and his wife, the answer to their prayer was much more than just for themselves. It would affect many other people. It would be a great child. That's what it's, this passage is saying. So that's where you can really find comfort in is because the promises of God is not really just for you. It goes, uh, Terry was just saying many of the young ones, uh, when she was saying young ones, my spirit keeps jumping up. I still feel young. Yeah. So many of the young ones, they said, you're called to the nation. That's, the, that's what happens to John. The par all the parents were asking for is, Lord, give us a child so that our shame would be removed. But God said, okay, I will give you a, a, a son whose name is John, or he will name him John, and he will affect many other people, not just you. And he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will turn many to the Lord. Amen? That's where, we get the, the, that's where we get the statement, you are blessed to be a blessing. Because the blessings that you receive is not just for you because it would always overflow. And you have to realize that. You have to begin claiming that. Because in point two, I'll tell you why. Okay, So that's what it is. The promise of God is where you can really rest and find comfort in the times of waiting. Because his promises will not just affect you your loved ones, your family, but it will affect many other people. Amen? Next slide, please. The second place where you can find comfort in your times of waiting is in the faithfulness of God. Go ahead. So, and Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? Zechariah started with doubt, right? And the angel said, of course, the angel introduced himself, uh, jumped to verse 20, but behold, 
you will be mute and not able to speak. Until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Did his doubt stop the promise of God? No. It says, until these days takes place, uh, you did not believe me, fulfilled in their own time. We were in a leadership uh, uh, luncheon yesterday, and one of the brothers came up to me and saying, bro, do you know who this picture is? My wife was showing a, a picture, and so he comes up, bro, do you know who's this, who's this man in the picture? I said, yeah, bro, that's you. Then he said, this is 1994. I said, I was here since 1994, but I ran away from God. But I'm back. And then another brother said, yeah, that's right. God, the goodness of God is going to hunt you down. But I'm back. And that's what he said. I'm back. Now, get, let me give you a scenario. 1994. Uh, I couldn't use his name because I didn't ask permission. So back in 1994, that's what he said. But he said he ran away from God. Can you imagine God up there looking at this brother and saying, come on, brother. I have all these great plans for you. I have these purposes for you. I have these gifts for you. But then he ran away. Oh, why? Why? Why did you run away? What am I going to do with all these plans for you? What am I going to do with all these gifts for you? Okay, I'll just find another person to give it to. No. Go ahead, next verse. It says in Numbers 23, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and he will, and will he not do or has he spoken and will he not make it good? The angel of the Lord spoke to Elizabeth and to Zechariah said, Your son will be great. He will turn many to the Lord. But he doubted. Did God said, okay, I changed my mind. You don't want it? I changed my mind. No, God says he does not repent. See, when we make a mistake, we repent. Right? But God does not repent. Next verse. It goes along with this verse in Romans chapter 11. For the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. They are without God's changing mind. The God does not change his mind. The calling for the son of Zechariah began not when he was born. It began before he was conceived. And even in the face of his father doubting the promise that the angel proclaimed to him, God did not change his mind. Church, it is the same for you and I. Ever since the foundation of the world, God has already planned out our life for us. Or there is a plan for our life. There's a purpose for our life. There's a calling. There are giftings. And there are callings in our life. So just like that brother, when he walked away from God, did God say, what am I going to do with this gift for this brother? Let me look for another one. No. And then he said that he came back. That gift remained there waiting for him. That calling remained there waiting for him. He might have lost years, but that calling, that gifting, that purpose never left because it was already declared by God that this is your calling, this is your purpose, this is the things that I have laid out for your life. And that's why the doubts that this father, Zechariah, had did not stop the purpose that God had. Isn't that amazing? See, sometimes we think that once we get saved, God has a calling for us, but then we sin, we fall out of the church. Oh, no, what happens to my calling? Sometimes we think, oh, no, now I cannot come back. You know, I feel like uh, I see it in a picture like those callings and those giftings of God. It's placed in a vault where you have access to, but if you don't access it, it remains there for you. God cannot repent of his word. 
whatever he has proclaimed over your life from the beginning, from the foundation of the world will remain in that vault until you yourself begin to believe and begin to walk in it. But it will remain there. God is not a man that he, he, he's, a, he's not a shifting shadow that when he sees that you stumble and you fall, he, he goes back, oh man, that giftings. If God has given you a gift to be a millionaire, praise God for it. Because it's going to affect the church. Because you're going to tie 10% of that to the church. Yeah. It affects not only you, your family. Your wife would be very happy. She will be shopping every day. But it also affects the church because, you're, because you know how to return the 10%. So it not only affects you, your wife, your family, all your godsons that are your favorite during Christmas. But even us as a church, we will benefit from that. Amen? So all those callings, all their gifts things, the gift things, the calling that, that, the, that Zechariah's son had was there from the beginning, even before he was conceived. Amen? Go ahead, next slide, please. Oh, okay. The third place that you can find comfort in when you're in that place of waiting is really the workings of God. And this is the place of really a question mark. And I say that because these are the places where we really sometimes don't understand. Go ahead, show the verse. And it's because it's this one. And behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my word, which will be fulfilled in their own time. God has his, God has his own method, and there are sometimes it's a question mark for us because we really, we really don't understand. But this is really the place that I like to ask God in. Because, hey, what else can he say, right? No, I don't want to tell you. But, hey, Moses went up to, uh, Moses went up to the Lord and said, show me your glory. What did he get? I cannot, show you me, I cannot show you your glory because you'll die. But I'll show you my backside. What else can God do? I mean, ask questions. And that's, what, that's, that's usually what I, what I like to do. I like to ask questions where really I cannot find answer in. So what, what is it? Why, why mute the man? And people have really said, oh, because he's in disbelief. Oh, yeah, I understand that. That's what it says. It's a, it's a given uh, fact. It's, it says because you did not believe my, my word. But why? So as, as I was asking why, I was reminded of another story, of, a, of a, almost a similar story. Go ahead, next verse. It's a story of Joshua. Joshua chapter 6, verse 10. This is where Joshua has passed the Jordan River. They are now ready to take Jericho. So this is the commandment that Joshua gave to the entire army. Now Joshua had commanded the people, the people, everybody, saying, you shall not shout, you shall not make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, shout, then you shall shout. What is Joshua saying, basically? Shut up. That's what he's saying. Shut up. Nobody talks, nobody says a word, nobody makes a noise. Isn't it? says, don't make any noise. And I guess this is where they get the idea that when you go to church, you cannot make any noise. No, it's not, Okay. We can make noise. But that's what he's saying. Do not make any noise. Do not shout. Don't say anything until the day I tell you to go shout. It's like, why? See, the angel pretty much put uh, Zacharias on the mute. Joshua told the entire nation to shut up. Why? I think it's because of this. Go ahead and show the next verse. Because a few days earlier, literally a few days earlier, before they were at the footstep of Jericho, 
he sent two spies to spy out the land. See, Joshua learned before, uh, before it was 12 spies, now he only sent two. Because Joshua and Caleb was the only one that returned faithfully. So he learned. So he sent two spies, and, and these two spies end up in the house of Rahab. And this is what Rahab said. So Rahab said to the man, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are, are faint-hearted because of you. You see that? says, uh, I know the Lord has given you the land, that terror of you has fallen on us, and all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, uh, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven and above and on earth. So this is what the Rahab told the two spies. It says, we have heard of you. You know how long that was ago or how long ago that was? That was 40 years ago. Coming from this passage, when they heard the God of, of the Israelites dry up the Red Sea, that was 40 years ago. Do you, do you see it? For 40 years, the nation which they were supposed to take were in trembling. They were in fear. They were, they were basically, he said, our hearts melted. For 40 years, the nation that they were supposed to conquer were, were living in a state of fear that they said, I can imagine kings would send scouts, go check those people in the desert. Are they coming this way? Are we going to be destroyed today? Are we going to be destroyed tomorrow? That's, what the, that's how they were feeling for 40 long years. Can you imagine being in fear for 40 years? I mean, it's hard enough to be in fear for a day, but for 40 long years... My goodness, this nation that heard of a God that dried up the Red Sea, that a people came out that was a slave and became a nation and an army, they've been fearing for their life for 40 years. I mean, talk about the fear of the Lord. But yet, what happened? Of course, we know the story. They did not enter the land until 40 years later. But as, as I saw it, it's like, oh my goodness, 40 years of living in fear. 40 years of thinking is the day, is today the day that these people will destroy us? Is today the day that we're going to die? 40 long years. I can, I'm 42 right now. Can you imagine living for 40 years in fear, not knowing if tomorrow I'll still be alive? But that's exactly what Rahab told this man. So I, I thought this, this is what Joshua saw because 40 years earlier, go ahead, now the next verse. The man that was commanded by God to go take the land. This is how they were feeling. He said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in that land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Go ahead. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report to the land, which despite us saying, the land through which we, we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in our are men of great stature. There we saw the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Can you see the contrast? The nation 
were waiting for their destruction was trembling. They were, wait, they, they were in fear, but yet the children of Israel at the same time couldn't see it. That this is what they were feeling. We feel like grasshoppers in the side. By the way, I was able to reconcile this. It was never God's plan to send out the 12 spies. It was never God's plan. God's command was go, I have given you the land, go and take the land. The elders said, Moses, let us send man. Moses agreed, says it pleased him. So Moses went and sent the man. God never, it was never God's idea for them to scout the land. God's command was simply go and take the land. But because they went and they spied, this belief went into their hearts. So I believe Joshua said, everybody, shut up. I'm not going to 40 years of desert experience again. I believe that's how he felt when he heard Rahab just speak of how we were in terror for 40 years. I think it gave some, it, it lifted something up in Joshua and his command was, everybody be quiet. I'm not going to 40 years in desert time again for your sake. No, Joshua didn't say that. I'll ask him when I get to heaven what, uh, what he felt like. Anyway, go ahead. Next verse, please. We, we, I mean, the promises of God. It's, it's not just for us. It goes beyond us. It blesses other people, your family. Okay, then we can rest assured because God is faithful to his word. God cannot repent. God will not repent. It's, 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 it's one of his immutable character. He cannot change his mind because he's perfect. He does not make mistakes. Amen. And then he's working. So some of them we might not understand. But I believe what, uh, why, why Zacharias was muted was really to preserve him. To preserve him from a making more, any more mistakes. So that he has to be quiet. And church, doubt sometimes can easily come up in our hearts. It's so easy to come up. Here's, um, I'm closing with this one. Uh, this verse really is because back in 2015 we were, when we were here, a sister, a sister of the church came up to us and said, hey, can you pray for me? Uh, I'm really having trouble taking a day up on Sunday. So we prayed for her. Uh, prayed for her, you know, favor that she'll get a day off. Then three weeks later, my wife saw her. And she says, hey, you're here. So what? You got a day off? And she said, yeah, our entire Sunday operation was shut down. So she got a day off. See? She got a day off because their entire Sunday operation was shut down. And just right there, in my mind, it goes, Lord, would you really do that? And why? Because she works for one of the airlines. She works for the, one of the airlines. This is a multi-million dollar company. So uh, uh, my wife was so full of faith, she said, yeah, God shut down the operation because you asked for a Sunday off. But yet here in my heart, I said, Lord, would you really do that? We prayed for her. Prayer was answered. She, my wife had faith. Yet here I am questioning God. God, would you really do that? Would you really shut down an entire day's operation because one of your children asked for a day off? That's what I asked God. And I got this. Why? Is that far? Is that so far-fetched? That's the word that I heard. Is it so far-fetched that I would really do something for one child? So I had to look up the word because it's not something that I would regularly use. So I know it's from the Lord. So, is it, so what it means is really, is it not convincing enough? Is it not uh, plausible? That's the word, uh, far-fetched. It's like, wow. And this happened within the span of five minutes, I think. 
I was worshiping over there, and uh, when uh, uh, and the moment I got it, I would start writing, and that's why I know it's 2015 because I had it on my notes. So is it really far-fetched that God would do something so, what's the word, out of the ordinary so that one child, their prayer can be answered? And this is where God uh, led me to. It says, so the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemy. This is Joshua. In one of the battles that was going on in the book of Joshua, Joshua was routing this, uh, this cohorts of enemy and they were ganging up together against the Israel. That's uh, the easiest way to describe it. Okay? But Joshua and, the, and Israel was winning. But the sun was about to set and Joshua was impatient. Basically, I'm impatient. I'm not, I don't have another day. To go, to go back to battle and kill these people. Ooh. Okay, that's what it is. So this is what Joshua said. He, pre- he told the moon, or he told the sun, sun, stay still, and moon, do not move. That's what he said, and that's what it says here in Joshua. It, is this not written in the book of Jashir? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of the man for the Lord fought for Israel. The voice of one man said, Son, stand still and move, do not move. One man. He said, Far fetch that God would move. And as I was pondering, and this is like, wow. Then I realized, see, when the sun stands still, really it's the earth that does not move. The moon does not move. The, sun, the, uh, the earth stands still. Can you imagine people? Thinking of economy, because uh, would God really shut down a, a day's operation for one person? Thinking economy-wise, you got fishermen, carpenters who rely on the day, the morning, their, their econ- or their work relies on daytime. And there are those people that work at nighttime waiting to get off, the other one getting ready to go. But yet, because the sun stood still, everybody is just waiting on time. It's like, what's going on? So it affects the entire economy of not just one person, but economy of nations. And that's what God did. He heard the voice of one man, and he let the, the earth stand still. And I have heard that the Chinese history actually has a record of this. I could not find it in Google. Probably some of you can find it for me. Hint, hint. It's like in the, in the history of China, in the Chinese history, the ancient history of China, there really was a day that, the sun, that the, it was much longer than any other day. I've heard of it, but I could not find the exact. Uh, it's not like you really need proof to prove God, right? But if you do, then, you know, look for it. But that's the point. Doubt can easily come to us. We prayed for the sister. She got a day off. But here I am saying, Lord, would you really do that? It's like an angel, of the, an angel Gabriel appeared before Zechariah and said, your prayer has been heard. Lord, how will this happen? But yet, good thing. Go ahead, next slide. Just to recap. Thank goodness that his promises are not based on how we receive it or how, how less faith we have or how much faith we have. But his promises, the promises of God, not only touches us, it touches people around us. It goes beyond us. Thank goodness that he's faithful, that he doesn't, Say one day, oh, I have this gift for you. Then the next day, oh, probably not. You don't deserve it. I'll just give it to somebody else. Good thing God is not like that. And the workings, though we might not understand it, we can see he's working for our benefits. Amen? 
And if we can sum up this entire, this entire passage uh, in the story of Zacharias, this is how it's going to look like. Go ahead. Last statement. Our faithful God can work beyond our doubts to fulfill his promises. Amen? Man, let's give him a praise, church. Come on. He deserves it. He deserves it. Okay, I made it. <clears throat> My voice was sustained. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just go ahead and pray. Father, thank you. If you're here today, I want to pray for you. If you're here today and you have heard of promises of God by a prophetic word or by your own reading of the Bible and you have come across a promise and you started claiming it, but yet today you're, you're in the place of doubt, I want to encourage you, don't give up. If you have to shut your mouth, shut your mouth. Okay? Don't let unbelief come out of your mouth. I encourage you, as I've showed you, God is much more, he's beyond us, really. He's beyond us. The purposes he has for us is beyond us. So if that's you and you're in that place of uh, insecurity, in your place of doubt and disbelief, I want to pray for you. If you can put your hand on your heart, is that you, you've heard the promises of God in your life. Whether it's the word of God, or it's a prophetic word, I want to pray for you. Father, thank you for this man and woman that you have spoken to and have given a promise, Father. Whether it's prosperity, whether it's healing, whether it's salvation to their family, whether uh, their, their next son would become a, a world changer, their next daughter will become a world changer. Father, I thank you that you are doing a work in our hearts and you're keeping us. And Father, I pray, Father, that you will silence the voice of the enemy right now in the name of Jesus. You will silence, Father, those voices of doubt. You will silence those voices of this unbelief, Father. But Lord, you would continue to be with us side by side. That Lord, like what you told Zechariah, until the day it is fulfilled, you will be with us. Until the day it is fulfilled, Father, thank you that you are a God that we can rely on. You are a faithful God in the name of Jesus. Now, another group that I want to pray for, if you're here today and you hear me talking about this God-man relationship, but yet you have never made that decision, it is one of the best decisions that you could ever have. That brother that I was telling you, he said he, he was here since 94, but he came back because the goodness of God was haunting him down. God will keep hunting you down. His goodness will keep hunting you down because the word says it is, the, it is because of the goodness of God that will lead you to repent. And if you have never made that decision, when I say never, meaning not once did you receive Christ in your heart, not once have you ever prayed a prayer when one of us are up here, I want to give you that opportunity to pray today. Father, thank you. Father, thank you for today. I thank you, O oh Lord, that your word will go out and it will not return void as you spoke it in your word, Father. So Lord, in the name of Jesus, I speak to these people. I just speak, Father, just, just, just 2018 be a good year for us because we can rely on your promises and we can rely on your faithfulness. Hallelujah, Father. Thank you for such, for who you are, for being a good God. Amen? Amen. Amen.